Hello, my children, and welcome to the Church of Pandemic Podcast, the premier Battle Spirit Saga talk show available on all your favorite podcast platforms. May the cores be our saviors. I'm a spirit, your head of service, and joined with me are my apostles, John and Cosmic. John, how are we doing this week? Great. It's almost Christmas as of this recording, but we've got four more days till Christmas. So oh. I've been uh, shopping nonstop. I got kids stuff in the background here, ready to wrap. Uh, and Santa's coming real soon. Mm-hmm. Doing yeah, I'm, great. I'm terrible when it comes to Christmas. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's in four days. <laughs> yep. Like when turns out when you just don't live near family and you yourself don't have kids or anything, it literally just more days. But but I was the same way until about eight years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I did all of my Christmas shopping like the day before. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> now that I have kids, it's like you have to start like a month out. So Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially if it's like the year of a release of like a new hot toy, you got to be out there gunning for it before they run out of yeah. stock. <laughs> and uh, Cause coming back from casting the pro tour. How are you feeling, buddy? Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, a lot of travel uh, going from Atlanta to pro tour. And then tomorrow I'm hopping on a flight. Uh, down to Florida for Christmas, as you mentioned, but kind of the same thing. It's like, doesn't really feel like Christmas just yet. Cause it's just, you know, my partner and I here, and then we're going to go see your family down there. And mm. yeah, I realize it's nice. I haven't been home long enough to get stuck with the cold and deal with all that yet. Cause I've been traveling so much. It's like, normally I try to save that and then go to Florida and get a nice little recovery. But I guess we'll just be uh, enjoying the warm weather while we're there. <laughs> all the same. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. At least it's not sad weather. So you get to get away from that a little bit. Um, I'd like to say that Portland was a getaway from that, but not really. I think the Pacific Northwest is very much sad central when it comes to that kind of thing. (laughs) Snow and stuff. I mean, Portland was still nice. It was an upgrade Mm. from what I had to deal with back here. Well, I'm jealous of your warm Florida weather. That's for sure. I used to live down there for a few years and that (laughs) weather was just like perfection. Mm. Yeah. It's going to be like a nice 70 while we're there. It's going to be great. A little bit of rain, but we'll deal with it (laughs) better than snow. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like I had alluded to, the Pro Tour was this very weekend. Uh, I attended because uh, I went off to cast. Um, so we'll be touching base on a little bit of that, kind of uh, the comeback of Yellow, uh, as it was, uh, according to DD, set up, sandbagged in Atlanta to kind of push for a good finish going to uh, the Pro Tour. Uh, and then, you know, as we close out the year, we'll also be looking into kind of talk about a year in review. Doing a little look back on this first year Battle Spirit Saga, kind of how things went, uh, you know, give a little bit of a retrospective and maybe talk about kind of our hopes and dreams, kind of what we would like to see going into the new year, especially uh, since the kickoff to that will be Worlds and then following Worlds, kind of everything subsequent to that, the collab sets and everything. So a little bit more. Then, of course, we've got What's That Card Art, uh, where I present a card art to our fine gentlemen here and see if they can figure out the card name. So to kick it off. Uh, Cosmic was one of our fantastic casters over uh, with the Magic Arcanum guys for the Pro Tour. And John, you think they did okay? You know, because you got yeah. that experience under your belt now that you got a grand open. So now that you're <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, that you now I'm it. an expert. Uh, <laughs> no, I I thought it was great. Yeah, uh, you know, cause you know, no no disrespect to the other guys. I mean, they they did well, but Cause was definitely carrying the cast on his back there. Um, you know, definitely with the knowledge of the game, uh, they casting was great you know i really enjoyed it um you know all the banter was good filled the dead air pretty well i can tell that they didn't know all the cards um Mm. but they did the best they could and it it was good you know it was a good cast and i enjoyed watching it and yeah i mean i look forward to maybe cause casting one down the road who knows Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, I know that's the big uh <laughs> the amount of times I got asked that at Pro Tour. It's like at the time of this recording, I literally do not know if I am casting or playing yet. So stay tuned, I guess. We'll find out more together. I'm sure I'll make an announcement if I hear it one way or another. But uh either way, I figured I'm just gonna unplug for the holidays. Uh, you know, we have this and a couple other videos I'll push out and then just start up fresh in January. We might just be starting the gauntlet in January to start testing for worlds. Honestly. Yeah. Um, so then before we kind of jump into kind of the meta and what happened with the event, um, how, how was it? How was the casting experience? Did you enjoy it? How was it in contrast to like Pro Tour 1? Um, just in general, how were the Magic Arcanum guys, right? Because like we, they have, what's fun about the Magic, Magic Arcanum guys is that they've actually interacted with the game on a level that's deeper than just the launch events. They went to Ohio, they keep up with the lore of the game. Um, so there is that level that even though they lean more towards like a like a, a celebrated talent hire, they are very much still in the realm of knowledge with Battle Spirits, which is a lot of fun. So, I mean, in general, how did you, how did you find casting a second Pro Tour? Uh, I loved it. I I will say, because going back to Pro Tour 1, um, I was a charmer and charmer and I have been friends for years. So just like naturally better chemistry and was, you know, the first thing that I've cast in a while. So like a lot of nerves for that one um, where Ryan and Keith the Magic Arcanum guys also shout out to Ryan. He was like barely holding on. He got sick with something and like he was just jamming through it, doing the best he can, like while he was off camera, just like popping cough drops and stuff, like trying to hold it together. So God bless them. That was a, a challenge to get through it for sure. But um, no, they were great. Like I really enjoyed the vibe that both of them gave. Uh, both of them, you know, at least approached it as you mentioned. Like we're more familiar with the cards, like say compared to Charmer, um, but we're still like just very excited to get to cast at that level. So overall, I think it was a lot of fun. The one thing I will say was it was nice to have the break, but because we had the three casters. For those that don't know, so we had two at a time. Mm -hmm. We just rotate every so often. Um, but then I also missed, got, I didn't get to cast the Durham Dyna, um, double heart play, which like broke my heart. I was like sitting there watching it happen off, like to the side of the table. And I couldn't say if you like, and, and, <laughs> you know, and they, they eventually caught it, but like, they didn't see it happening like in real time as fast as like somebody who's more experienced with the game would have picked up on. But, mm. um, that, like, that was the only thing like, I really wish I was in for that game, but, uh, no, it was great. It would definitely could see them doing more events in the future. Like I said, they're still both uh, keeping up with it. Ryan's a huge fan of the lore as well. Lore is just like his thing, right? Um, and Keith is just a fun dude. I, you know, I, we we think about Magic Arcanum and Ryan really is like the guy in front of the camera. And then his brother Keith is kind of just um, helps out or they go to venues together and all that good stuff. But uh, he was great as well. So it was nice to cast again, feel a lot more comfortable with it. And um, again, who knows what next year holds, but maybe cast more events in the future. Yeah, that was the big thing that I took away from the stream is that it was fun. You know, they they made it fun. You could tell they had a good time while casting. So even though they didn't quite know like the meta or the play lines or whatever, like they still made it fun and, and they were still not, you know, they still knew enough to make sense of gameplay and and make it flow so i thought that they did you know pretty well in that respect but yeah i mean you know it was a fun stream yeah i think that's the number one thing um because i've actually been talking to quite a few people lately about you know people are either interested or getting into casting or the conversation about casting tournaments has come up because bandai fest is coming through people are you know wondering what's happening for worlds and then kind of like some people decided that maybe going into next year they're lining up more to wanting to be more on the content side of things and so on and so forth and um i think like one of the biggest things i try to focus on people is like the biggest thing is you just gotta make it fun right like yes 
knowing about the cards and the play lines and giving that level of analysis is obviously important. And the more knowledgeable you are in the game, the better. But at the end of the day, if your presentation of that is very monotone, then we're going back to like the 1900s way of casting chess. And like, if you guys pay attention to the chess, that's not how people cast chess anymore. So like, I think, I think being a facet for the viewer's emotions and to lend that to being a fun experience is the number one important thing. So, um, I, you know, I think having a casting team that can kind of blend all the, that together is great. So, you know, if, if the viewer experience was fun from a, uh, you know, viewer perspective, then like all that, that's all a win for me because anything that makes the game more appealing to like, at least want to give it a go, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of the viewer experience, that was that, uh, but, uh, in terms of the performance, Yellow made its comeback. And I think that's kind of the big story here. And not only through Yellow, but uh, via TD kind of just plowing through with it. So if we look at this top 16 breakdown, which uh, the tournament only had 105 players, I want to say. Something like that. So we 100, did 118 was the 118. final. Okay, yeah. so not exactly top 16 in terms of day two, but still always important to kind of see what that representation looks like. Nevertheless, because uh, there is quite a significant prize drop off once you go past top 16. Uh, so through this pie chart, we've got uh, a purple deck, a white aggro deck, uh, two white control, two gales, two novas, two red mid ranges. And then the rest of it is looking to be yellow. Um, so, you know, yellow, obviously making a huge comeback there, especially a big shout out, uh, over to, uh, TD, your team did pretty well, John, um, locking in at this point, we count Daniel and Zach as TD, right? Like y'all like, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they test with us and, you know, nonstop now. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not surprised by their success or by the deck. I mean, I can say that this yellow deck they've been working on for over a month, um, mm. they, we're going to play it in Atlanta and then kind of, you know, decided as a group that it'd probably be best for the pro tour. Um, right. You know, it's, they, they had to get it to a place where they can beat red at least half the time. Uh, so they added the flagellum package. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of beats everything else. You know, you can watch their deck profile. I think Emmy did a deck profile with them. Like a like uh, yep, a thirty shop. minute a thirty minute long one. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of fluff in it, but there is a lot of uh, good content there. So if you really want to see what cards do what and why they're in here, you can watch that. But this is something that's been in the making for quite a while. So you know, I'm not surprised they did well. And you know, congrats to Alex. Uh, you know, he 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 did deserve it. That pains me to say but <laughs> he, he earned this one so mm-hmm. yeah i think so uh naturally i think the idea uh, red is still an incredibly good deck played it in atlanta the beauty also is kind of like it, it kind of doubles in on like if people think red do well they bring in the white and then obviously yellow can kind of really dumpster on white if they're not ready for it especially between the genbu and obviously the michaela kind of in the back end in case you face anything that might be uh trying to capitalize off of thinking that you can only win via genbu so um i think the deck does extremely well and of course ryan matas over here in top 16 can't forget him he actually finished ninth again i want to say like just tenth, or tenth. Tenth. yeah so oh, just yeah. barely yeah. ninth was the white aggro yeah yeah um, and like like i do also want to point out like the number of decks or the number of like Gimbu decks. And I think cause made this point too, in the discord is that like the TD team as a whole, we have what five, six, seven players at like every event. Uh, it really skews the numbers, right? Yeah. Because there's so many of them. So like, if they all decided to play red, like the top eight could have had three, 
you know, like all red decks, maybe like, you know, who knows it mm. a lot of times. And I don't want to like toot their horn or inflate their ego more than I already do. And that, you know, <laughs> they, they do themselves, but they can almost play any deck they want and still make top eight, like, because they're mm. very good players. Um, but in this case, it's yellow. So I think that's why the yellow numbers are kind of inflated. I think that's a little misleading to the like, meta as a the, whole. The overall yeah. meta, yeah. Mm. But it's just how it panned out for this event. It was yeah. something like 25% or 30% of yellow players were TD. So it's just like, okay, well, if we remove this one section of it, what does that actually look right. like? So, yeah. Um, but we see this time and time again with all the events, right? It's like you just expect that TD or I guess TD plus now with the new members, right. is going to end up somewhere in the top cuts and maybe not making like top eight, but then they're like, Oh, they're somewhere in top 16. And it's still having that same conversation where it's like, you expect good players to continue to do well. And they probably made a good medical and it's like, okay, so what deck did they all bring? And you know that um, at least I think for this one, everyone was on the same exact 16. I think that's mostly what the team does anyways. I think there's been like very small changes otherwise, but like they're all going to bring the same exact deck as well, which is going to put up, uh, you know, good numbers, just again, based on their individual skills as players. So not too terribly surprised to see this much, uh, you know, Gembu, when you look at the names behind it, notably. Mm, yeah. yeah. So looking at this top eight of goes, I uh, just want to give a shout out to Miliano, our caster from Atlanta, actually breaking into the top eight tier. Um, so congrats to that. Uh, Andrew Duvall and uh, George Machado, both on Sigrum Nova. And I guess that kind of leads into my next question. Because I never watched it. I didn't get around to watching the stream. Day two, I was knocked out until 1 p.m. And then that's when I decided to move my butt down over to the to, uh, to the floor. So I guess my question to you know you guys, John, as the uh, viewer, and then causes the caster who's been there. How did these guys make it through like these red decks like yeah. what happened <laughs> well a lot of it is that they they probably played a lot of yellow like alex said that george played like five yellows in a row and i'm i'm sure that andrew probably had a similar lineup um you know and is, I, it, is it just that the td list is like really tuned to be able to beat red like i don't know like george's and andrew's deck like pounds this yellow deck that alex yep. and daniel played like they just got extremely lucky in the uh top cut like alex okay. said he just drew godly and like like the best match he's ever drawn in his whole life to beat george and then of course you saw zach's match on stream uh you know he's probably would have lost if it was untimed um but they made a great meta call. Like, I think this is the first event that Andrew's done well in. I mean, he's played uh, in three or four, and yeah. I think he just gets pounded every time. He's a very, very good player at every game he ever plays. It's just he hasn't had any success in Battle Spirits. And, you know, to see them break through like this, you know, George and Andrew both, like, it just means they made a really good meta call and played, you know, uh, the deck well. And that's what happened. Like, the Hippo was a great call in this deck, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and shout out to Andrew in particular, or I guess George, you probably know just as well as I do. Um, but it's like Andrew is double double DBS Nats, mm -hmm. one once, double DBS Worlds, uh, recently played a one piece treasure cup and won that in Miami, which was like five twelve or something. So like the guy's just very good at card games, it turns yeah. out, right? So it's like he does very well most of the time. And for the top eight match, um, he just bricked horribly. Like if that's just variance at the end of the day, like all six Nexus removal were bottom 15 cards. And like yeah. at any point, if that blessed cathedral would have been removed, Zach loses on the spot, like no contest, not even close, but you know, someone else do the math of how ungodly unlucky Andrew got, but that's just a break sometimes. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, hey, at the, at the end of the day, I don't think it takes away from anyone doing what they did. Um, no. nope, that's, just, that's just card games, of course. Um, uh, and, you know, it could have the, the coin could have tossed on either way there. And then I guess the trend just kind of continues that like top eight, like you got the one Gale deck, like you got the one guy who was able, I will say Emiliano, unfortunately did get a uh, deck check error going into top eight, which gave him a round one or a game one loss, which unfortunately uh, from the sounds of it, from the judges and from himself, like had they actually played out like a proper full three games without the first loss, like Emiliano probably would have gotten there. Um, Cause he did yeah. actually force out a game three anyways. Um, but nice to see that, you know, Nova Gale made a comeback, um, you know, uh, as kind of uh, one of the, uh, discoverers of the deck. I'm I'm glad to see I was able to do stuff, and and it can. I think I like the consistency that the red brings into it, and just being able to give you draw power. And it's like, you know, we're just gonna do red mid rangey things. I think this is kind of like a pretty well optimized version of it, where it's just like, I think we we're testing out a lot of weirder stuff going into Pasadena, and I think if we had just refined on like, hey, just play the red good red good cards, and then you kind of go from there. I think it lines up. Well, so. with the that the meta has been shifting. I mean, I think yeah. Nova a really good call for this mm-hmm. event like you know you see here with his list you see with george and andrew's list like it's just nova was just the right play um you know we as a team played nova in the second pro tour and didn't do as well because it probably wasn't the right call but i think in this event it was and it you know showed and they did very well mm-hmm. yeah so at the end of the day, congrats to everyone who did that. Um, they did also announce that uh, they are doing pass down invites for Pro Tours. So if you attended Pro Tour 2, if you attended Pro, uh, attended Pro Tour 3, um, one, I would recommend just kind of like uh, go to the Play TCG Discord because they got like the full message there as to what placements actually did get awarded pass downs. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, think it was what 86th for the Pro Tour 2 and 102nd for Pro Tour 3, I think yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, that's cool. um, you should be able to go on Bandai TCG Plus on like Friday and be able to sign up for Worlds if this is you and you are looking to attend Worlds, which I recommend you do because top 64 is a thousand bucks. <laughs> Every time I say that, that yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, then I, I guess just to give uh, a couple flowers, Anthony, congratulations on making another top 16 with Mandango. There you go. We called you out. <laughs> um, White Control, not breaking into top eight, but did break a couple of spots into uh, yeah, that's, top 16. That's really surprising to me. I thought that mm-hmm. White would have done better, um, you know, especially with, like, George and Andrew and those guys playing Nova. Like, White should have, like, just scraped them. But mm-hmm. I guess they just got, you know, good matchups and won the Swiss roulette. But whereas White just kind of got beat up by Yellow, I guess. Um, but I really did think that they'd be more White Control so yeah, that's, that's surprising to me. Well, it was the second most played deck of the event, so like it was up there. Oh, they okay. didn't have good uh, conversions for it. Yeah. I also did hear there were quite a few mirrors, so it could just be white players took themselves out, right? Like that's that could also very much be rally, but also with so much yellow presence, and I'd argue even if you kind of line up your deck to being like trying to make the matchup more fifty fifty against yellow, it's still kind of like an upwards hill battle, regardless. So, yeah. All right. Well, that was kind of the pro tour. And then we naturally did into worlds. Still not too sure what's going on with that. Um, no new announcements. I presume we're going to get some stuff as we kind of close out December and start up into January. Uh, when? Yeah. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Dude. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's happening. That's, that's yeah. all we know is worlds yeah. is happening. People have been invited. 
and we will show up and play. So, I would like to be able to book a flight if I got a book of flight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to worlds. Um but I, you know, like, like you guys said, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I actually can't even register for the event yet. Like on day one that it opened up in Bandai uh, TCG Plus, I submitted my application, did all the stuff. I got uh, like my my thing on the app says like like applied, and it's just been stuck on applied for like. Oh. Six weeks now. Yeah, because yeah, so I because I, I got confirmed right after applied, like yeah, twenty four hours after. Yeah, mine's just been sitting on applied forever, and like I contacted Bandai, they sent back like some weird half English response that made no sense. So then I contacted D, and she said she's looking into it for me. So mine also says know. applied. Oops. Yeah. So <laughs> I I have no idea what's going on. I'm going to assume if, if, oh, if no. I show up. They'll, they'll be like yeah right like i think play. you should be fine <laughs> like bro i've qualified twice over like let me just play so right. whatever i'm not worried about it but it's just kind of weird that like i'm already getting errors on this app and they're supposedly using it to run the event and it's like mm, so i did hear wait. i did hear they're using the app to do registration but the tournament won't be run on it is what i've heard so <laughs> At okay. least there's that because there ain't no way in hell I trust Bandai TCG Plus to actually execute a tournament. I don't trust it for locals, so like <laughs> I, I can't imagine a, you know an event that you know 150 players rather than 10. Mm. So, which I mean, I think speaking of the number of players for Worlds, like I think it'll be now with all these pass downs closer to like what, maybe 150 players. Like, Probably I'd say about, maybe I, 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 I feel confident that there's going to be a top 16. Like that's, that's, yeah, I don't that's know what right. the number is after that, but I, I feel confident that we're going to have a top 16. Yeah. My threshold as well. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Actually. So uh, something not fun to kind of roll back to the pro tour. We got giant cards. Which was actually yeah, like, that was great. That was super cool. Um, yeah. I get <laughs> funny enough. Actually, uh, D was talking to me at mid event. She's like, Tata just goes in for every single entry on that giant card, trying to get in. <laughs> I mean, I was watching the stream. <laughs> you know, well, but uh, yeah. I don't blame. I, I I didn't win. I think it was Jax that won. Which it was Jax. Yeah, yeah you know, Heard. I'm glad he got it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, I'm watching the stream. I as well try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Kaz actually got to see them in person. What do you think of the giant cards? They um, they were Our good. Giant. Again, I just had the giant Cthulhu shark behind me, so I really didn't get to see <laughs> other ones in much detail. But yeah. um, I, I'm sorry, I was just thinking like, you know, you got one. Where's yours in the background? Jack's got one. Where's mine, man? Where's <laughs> my giant card? Dude, the worst part <laughs> is like, I tried. So for those not in the know, the giant cards are effectively like these massive like you know whatever meter long cards that are kind of giant other card games have done them before um and this is the first time that bandai has ever done them for uh, an event uh, there were four uh one of which was given away to the stream one of which was given away the second place of the tournament of uh, the pro tour then one for as a side event raffle pricing uh and then the last one is kind of like a bingo sheet hey do the, all these activities at the pro tour uh and you can get in for this giant card so um i actually ended up 
I, I tried really hard to not be a part of it at all because I was like, hey, two things. One, it's like I'm a content creator. Like there's obviously like levels of bias there. I'd rather just not put that like any thought in someone's mind that whatever was rigged. Um, obviously, I'm friends with a ton of the judges, rigged. with the tournament organizers. <laughs> and so it was I, rigged anyways. <laughs> yeah, so, well, I didn't. So like I didn't do any of the side events. I didn't get any raffle tickets. And now like I'm sitting there and I'm playing like a for fun game um, just because I was asked to. And I was like, sure, whatever. Let's just play for fun. Um, and then uh, Rorin, who's actually the if you're on the discord, the one who's constantly telling us how many Tulsa's away from an event we are size wise. Um, he was leaving to catch his uh, his flight and he had two tickets, one from participating and then he won his draft. So he gave it to me and I'm like and I put these down. I'm like, I swear to God, these are going to be the ones that win. <laughs> so playing it out. All right. Draw the raffle ticket Two. Oh, yeah. Mine started the two. One. Oh, OK, I guess it's 21. I guess that's me. And then just like I raise my hand. I'm like me. And then all you hear in the background. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like your. Uh... A goblet of fire moment from yeah, Harry yeah, Potter when yeah. like all of a sudden this name is strong. It's like I wasn't even trying. Yeah, I wasn't even I wasn't even supposed to be in, dude. <laughs> I was supposed to be here today. Yeah. So uh <laughs> did end up winning the large Maduke. So that's actually still in the car. I just haven't fully unpacked yet. So she will find her space somewhere behind me now. And I guess I have uh, a big piece of BSS memorabilia so, to move so forward. So what's the like material? Is it cardboard or is it like so it's very card like um okay. and actually so i had to actually talk to play to see like hey like what was the process like for y'all um and apparently yeah like the, the big deal for them was that it was as card like as possible so it's not like a poster i'd say mm -hmm. it kind of is but it is closer to card like the front is very glossy um yeah. i know other companies have done giant cards and they're almost like poster board so they're very thick board is what i was trying to remember the name of like they're not mm -hmm. like that which is why i thought it was really really nice i just couldn't remember the name because like that's what flesh and blood did but these are like again actual looks and feels like a card the yeah. detailing on it is very nice so like they really did a, a wonderful job nice. on these yeah mm -hmm. i have a giant card for versus system somewhere i thought it was here maybe it's upstairs yeah but Storage, a lot of those like, are usually it's, it's like cardboard cardstock like hard as shit right mm -hmm. so but like i i would think like i saw them printing these and it looked like it was more flimsy like you know like you said if you look at cards so you'd almost have to frame it i guess yeah yeah, yeah. i will yeah. say there's a little bit of bend if you just hold it up by itself like it right like i would recommend either framing it or doing or like having some kind of backing support for sure um which like obviously is a little bit more work into it, but also it just feels a little bit more premium in my opinion. So like that was kind of really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so I'd look forward for them doing it again. Honestly, um, I heard that they're gonna you know test it out, talk to the devs, and when they come down for Worlds, because obviously that gives every, everyone here opportunity to be able to talk to Japan a little bit more closely when they actually see things. So who knows? Maybe we get more of these in the future. Maybe they're foil. Maybe they do other stuff with them. Who knows? But I would be extremely excited for them to keep using this because like I said, like, yeah, for BSS, there's a decent level of excitement there, especially when we're talking about like the Madukes and the Novas and whatever, because those are like mascots and whatever. But I'm like, bro, you want to sell like literally a million tickets to an event? Just do a giant card manga Luffy. And like, there you go. You mm -hmm. literally sold yeah. out your event. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So well, like it, it also gives players something to do right mm -hmm. the, like you give them a goal to achieve so that means that they're going to stick around and they're going to try to achieve you know the thing so like at worlds if you just have like a cool little side carnival game or whatever mm -hmm. and like 
like I would try to win a Luffy. I mean, that that sounds cool, right? Yeah. And it's just I feel like they should try to do things like that. And uh, so I'm glad they did it at the Pro Tour. You know, not being there, it was still fun to watch, like the, you know, images and stuff on stream go by. It looks like people were having fun with it. And that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah I think it goes back to just like the general celebration of, of it, right? Like put up decorations that say like Battle Spirits or One Piece or like, and giant cards are a very easy way to do that. Obviously not like a, not the only thing that you should do, but it, it it's a step in that right direction that hopefully makes it feel like, we're not just going to events. It is actually a celebration of the IP. So exactly. Yeah. And they should do this for all of their games truthfully, but obviously a little bit biased here since we're talking about battle spirits, but it'd be really cool. And, and to be fair, probably really easy for them just to do it even like once a year, like let it be your nationals and your world sort of thing. If that's what you want to do, like if they can only do it once a year, that makes sense then, but um, would be nice to see it like a pro tour level even. So it's like a couple times a year that players can have that experience to look forward to. And then hopefully acts as like a little extra incentive to say, Hey, I'm going to go to this grand open because I want to try to qualify for the pro tour, knowing that there's going to be like these cool side events and other things going on. So again, huge shout out to D and play TCG with like the bingo. It was very well. Well, for the people that I talked to, which was not everyone, but from what it seemed like it was very well received and people had fun with the bingo. Um, and I think that's the important part. It's not just show yeah. up to the pro tour and play it's, Hey, here's this other cool stuff that's going on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So things to look forward to, you know, maybe kind of indications of exciting things they've got coming down for worlds. We know that they have those really sick world promos that we saw, like four of them. So, you know, maybe we get more announcements of those, more announcements of what everything else looks like. Um, just kind of pushing through to next year because next year is going to be a very competitive year. We've, we're constantly talking about it. We're ever millions of new card games and everything. So kind of whatever can come to keep people's interest uh, is going to be very interesting going into next year. Um, and in that regard, you know, we talked about the celebration of the game and stuff. And I do think uh, that'll be a good kind of transition over to talk about our year in review but before we do that let's take a quick break to guess what that card art is uh this time gentlemen i've touched in on the uh promo bin and took a promo oh, no. card um <laughs> <laughs> which lord knows how playable those tend to be so Dual eagle that's like the only <laughs> full name i know <laughs> um all right so i can't remember who, who's going first this week i think it's john's going first this week if i yeah. remember correctly or did he go first last week? i went first last week and i got last it because he got the cursed dragon yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so he uh, got, for, he got the free one. Go figure. Yeah. Well, free. Y'all almost didn't get it. Like, let's. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I, I it. All right. What, what's this impossible uh, card? Hook me yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. So, for our viewers, uh, I show on screen a card art to our apostles, uh, and they have to give me the full card name. We tend to give nicknames to cards to so make it easier for us to be able to recall them. But Foul Spirits likes to give us nice, uh, long names to go with. So, we'll see if. Uh, our gentleman here can figure this out. So enjoy this promo, gentlemen. We have a metallic a dragon here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not going to get it. I know it, the fact. It is, it is red. Three. It's seven core, three reduction, ancient yep. dragon uh, on levels one, two, and three. You're, during your attack step, if two or more of your opponent's spirits have been destroyed this turn, treat the spirit as level three. When the spirit attacks on level three, select one of your opponent's spirits with 4k or fewer BP or one of their nexus and destroy it. And it is PR 20, which I think takes us to the third TP. Yes. This <laughs> yes. Is the because third I literally, yep. to make this worse, I literally just opened these today. I was about to say, I <laughs> just opened one today. And, and threw I it even, like during the garbage, basically, because it's just not seeing play ever. Mm. Um, I know it's a fact. No idea what the name is. I'm Isn't not even this like it. another dragon that 
as like Mogwau in the title. This is not a Guo no. Asian dragon, no. Okay. But yeah, so there is one of those too. in the TP actually, but it is yeah. not this one. You know. <sighs> okay. Yeah, but it's the awakened one core guy. Mm-hmm. So are you just? Where you are, no, I, just no, absolutely no, I, I give up immediately. I'm not going to drag this out. Yeah, I literally don't, I don't even don't have, have it. Like, that's how man. bad it is. And I kid you not, for those that are like, I opened this three hours ago and just forgot. Does not matter. Yeah. It's it's really cool. I mean, this is actually kind of cool because this is the first time I'm even looking at the art closely. And like, mm-hmm. I see like the metal like blades as talons, yeah, which is it's got like a going to sort of for his horn. Like, man, this guy's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah so I think the design's super cool. It's just a shame that the card. Kind of does nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. No. All right. Well, nah. for this card art, we've got Sword Dragon Emperor Excalibus. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm gonna give you Sword Dragon. Like, I have no idea what that. Yeah, I, I could not do it. I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, um, we should have guessed Sword Dragon because he's got the sword coming out of his dome. So, like, it should have been like <laughs> his his wings are know. swords. He's got like you know Wolverine type claws. Like, he's got the whole. He's definitely very swordy. <laughs> Sword of Source. That this is what Sword of Source should. Yeah, like. does Sword of Source even have a sword on him? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, huh? <laughs> um, which kind of makes it because he's a pterosaur, right? It's almost like if Sword of Source should have been what is it a reptoid? Because those are literally Reptoid, like, yeah. like, like axe lizard <laughs> and other stuff hey, like that. Hey, listen, a reptoid made top eight of an event, so. We shouldn't hate too much at Armored Lizard Dawn. Lizard Dawn, yeah, true. <laughs> oh, um, all right. So to kick it back, like we we're saying, uh, we are closing on the first year of Bow Spirits. It will uh, crescendo with the World Championship having at the end of January. So kind of gives us an opportunity to be able to look back um, and see kind of how our first year went, and just kind of give our first thoughts on that. And honestly. The, it's been a pretty tumultuous year, um, you know, to say the least. There's been uh, a lot of different ways in which Bandai has done things for Battle Spirits versus its other games that kind of distinguished it alongside the fact that it is a relaunch in the West of a game that doesn't have a predetermined like anime IP like any of their other games. Um, so it kicked off with the launch event, actually, um, which is, you know, I think I can appreciate it in concept, but was probably not the right way to go about it. Um, the launch event was an event where you could essentially get the same amount of pricing as a pro tour. So lots of money on the line. Um, and you could go to the event. This was a month before the release of the game. Uh, and you could buy eight boxes worth of product, which is like about 98% of a full master play set at that point um, to be able to kind of play constructed this tournament. Um, I think I like the excitement. Here's the thing. I think this event without a doubt, definitely drove the excitement it wanted to. It was like, what, a 400-man 400 400 event, and that's yep. like across yeah. multiple different continents. There were players from lots of different card games that decided like, hey, big money tournament, we'll go ahead, give it a try. Um, so I think to that end, it did well. But unfortunately, I think the long-term ramifications of an event where you know, you're asking players to buy like three-quarters of a case of product before a game even releases yeah. kind of had a trivial effect, which probably hurt the game more long-term than it actually helped. Probably. So like, like the launch event, I don't want to get too much into it, but I do have yeah. some thoughts about it. Like number one, I, I think that uh, probably funny enough is that this is the one event that celebrated the players more than any event that they did the entire year, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic because the game wasn't even out yet. Like they, they had the <laughs> cosplayers. They, they had like, uh, you know, of course, they had product everywhere. They had, they were, you know, giving out demo decks. They were, like, they were just, like, 
like accepting anyone and anything. And it, mm-hmm. it was great um, for that. Uh, number two, I loved that it was in Vegas. Like that, like I wish every event was in Vegas cause I had a great time and I just feel like there's <laughs> plenty to do. And like, it's, it, it's just fun. It, it was very cold, but it was fun. Mm. Um, but like you were saying, where they really missed was that the timing of this event was just awful. I mean, it was like a month before actual release, and they were charging re- like MSRP prices for uh, like up to eight boxes, I think, you can buy. And like it was just like <laughs> that was like not the way to do this event. I think if Palm Springs would have just been this event, uh, they would have had a lot more success overall. Because then people could have already had product. They didn't, you know, wouldn't have to pay almost a thousand dollars to get the cards they needed for their decks. Um, so the the timing was just off. But everything else about the event, I, I thought was great. Like the hype was built. Um, the prizes mm. were obviously very good. Um, they just kind of punted a few aspects of it, and timing being the biggest one, I think. Yeah, I think a post release, especially because like. A post-release event where, like, you know, imagine you have a lot of players like Majin Bay or whatever who, like, tried out the game just for the launch event. And then this launch event was actually your first Grand Open. And now they have an invite to Worlds or Pro Tour or whatever. And they'd be even right. more incentivized to just keep on playing the game after they already played this one big tournament, I think, would have led a much better trickle into it. Especially since also now stores are more on board because they're actually able to sell off the product to the competitive players who actually want to play the game. Yeah. So. Um. But to that end, um, I think at the end of the day, uh, did get the event numbers that it wanted. You know, every region got above 100 players, if not, uh, you know, in the 2-3 and for Vegas's case, 400 um, and definitely kicked things off um, with, you know, the first set. Actually, I, I go back and constantly say that the first set of Battle Spirits is arguably probably like a masterclass in set design, in my opinion. I think, you know, high power level, sure. And I think there's a couple of misses. Like, I think Enterprise is kind of a design failure, in my opinion, in terms of like what you're trying to get people to how you're trying to get people to play an interactive game. But Dawn of History, I think, had a lot of depth. I think it had an evolving meta for many, many months, um, especially once you threw in the TPs, which like Axe Spider was kind of its own you know, thing. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed exploring Dawn of History personally. I, I once shared that same thought. And then Once. we got set two. <laughs> yeah. And like, I totally changed my mind. Uh. Set one was great. I, I agree. It was very balanced for the most part outside of a couple problem cards, but every single color was playable in some respect. Uh, every color made a top eight. Like it was just a pretty solid set. The problem was it was probably too good. Um, mm. Like the power level was like, probably a little higher than it should have been, which made set two um, like completely like non-existent. Right. And so prior to set two, I thought that this was the perfect set. And then they released set two and it's like, well, it's like maybe they screwed themselves by making set one way too good and way too powerful that now future set design is going to suffer for a long time. Right. Set two and and the set two meta was just awful. Um, you know, it, if you liked it, great, good for you. I thought it was like an unplayable game for several months. No, it was uh, rough for everybody. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. set three came out and fixed things for the most part. Um, but you know, it, it, 
I don't know if the damage was done or not, but like set two was just bad. But I I agree. I mean, I kind of got off the point, but I thought set one was you know also very good. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think you know uh, we going into the launch event very much was like uh, Nova, purple, white, and then eventually uh, TD kind of broke through with Terra, and that kind of really was what shaped everything. So then it was like Terra, purple, and then you could play white, and then if you can high roll do well, and then uh, Axe Spider came through and completely changed everything. Um, once people kind of figured out what the Axe Spider build would look like, you know, initially people thinking that uh, Axe Spider wasn't necessarily a four of because it was expensive and then turns out if you just build your entire deck for axe spider actually turns out it's pretty all right especially once you start including a lot of cantrips the zeros elemental spark the zeros actually were quite impactful in that front um and then eventually you just kind of throw in the purple package so that you could much more easily go into depths and then you know depths was absolutely insane um i still stand depths can never come back that card's absolutely ridiculous at least until maybe things get better or things get more powerful in the game um so I would say set one was pretty phenomenal up until we got to the first pro tour. And then it was like Axe Spider Land, and then things just were not great from there. <laughs> That's where it went off the rails was yeah. after uh Elemental Spark. Um the game kind of went off the rails for a bit, and we were all, you know, I know Cause was a big, you know, uh a believer that maybe set two would kind of write the ship, like, you know, write the meta. And it it, <laughs> it just didn't, right? Like, mm. it just, uh, Axe Spider and Pterosaurs just dominated the entire set two meta from start to finish. And, uh, you know, it's just how it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I guess transitioning, like, what happened with set? And I think it's just a power level thing, right? Like it's Power just... level thing, yeah. Like, they, they made an, a, a, a new color with green. Um they added it to the game and it was just a bit underwhelming, um, which wouldn't have been that bad if the other colors kind of made up for it. And it just, you know, like nothing really popped out as like, man, this is a really exciting card. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in fact, most of the X fairs in set two didn't even get played until set three, right? You know, now we see Dragon of King. Now we see some of the purple Void Lord. Now we see, you know, just all of the X rares that should have been played in set two are played now. And it's just, mm-hmm. so it's almost like that set didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. It really just comes down to like, you build up this whole, even from like a lower perspective, right? It's like you build up this whole thing of like your entire set being revolving around these void Lords mm-hmm. that are just all God awful. Like I get, you want to <laughs> try to play safe with it and like, I'll play these big, cool guys. But it's like, no, they just all suck. It turns out. And like, Look, we'll get to set three eventually, I'm sure. But like set three is such a 180 from set two. Like, yes, you're like we can argue, obviously, the pilgrims and the Nexus could have been a little bit better, but at least your key spirits, your X-rays are like exciting. Like we see a yeah, lot okay. more play out of those compared to set two, where it just it's a, just a very blatant night and day difference between whoever designed set two and whoever designed set three feels like it was two different people completely or two different teams completely, I should say. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, and also set two is where they tested out collabs, right? We got our first, obviously we got like box topper collabs previously with like pro ZD. Um, and then going into set three, we got, um, the game ground stuff. Um, but set two was our first like actual inbox collab. Um, and that was with Gundam and they actually, unfortunately, I, here's the thing. I can understand the logic of going with the void Lords because like they're the big boss monsters of the set. Um, but there's like two issues in that. Unfortunately, they don't really play well together. They all reference each other in some sense. Void Ogre can get any other one. And then uh, Acadia can like go and make your 
other Void Lords unblockable and stuff. And they kind of all play together a little bit. But unfortunately, there was nothing that brought that synergy together. And then unfortunately, also standalone, they kind of didn't do anything. Um, and I, th- I, th- yeah. I think and I think that was kind of a whiff in the sense that unfortunately for people who like heard, oh, Battle Spirits, Gundam, let me play Gundam. Right. And unfortunately, I think they didn't have. There's no Gundam deck, and unfortunately, you couldn't even craft yeah. one because it was just based around all these boss monsters. They, they had the right idea. Um, they just kind of did it very poorly, right? Like, first of all, the the distribution of of this yeah. set was garbage, like mm. like F tier garbage. Like, there were dead boxes and cases. Like, they they should have put at least one Gundam in every single box that's not beam rifle. Uh, <laughs> it's just they 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 had all the chances in the world to do this right, and then they just didn't. And, you know, my locals uh, took a huge hit with this set. Like, we had, like, 15, 16 people every week, and then by the time we're halfway through set two, we were lucky to get four just because, like, they quit because they were getting dead boxes. Um, and now with set three, like most of them are coming back and we're back up to like the 10, 12 people mark. Um, it was just like the dark ages. And I think mm. as you mentioned, it was like these, vo- these void Lords were just a giant miss, but they were smart with Gundam. That was a great idea. Just poor execution. Yeah. Um, well, I will say, I think they learned a lot from this because set four sounds like exactly what it would have been like. Here's the thing. I'm partial to full collapse. Just literally give yeah. us Gundams, right? Like, just Same. give us, yeah. like, just give us freedom, and like, he prevents my opponent from being able to activate his bursts or whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, give us the JP stuff. But I will say, if you are gonna go the alt art route, I think set four is exactly how you do it, right? And that sounds yeah. like what, like, big us a Bandai for doing everything they did to kind of fix set four, which is one, delay the set, pull it back, and make the changes that they did. Two, work with the stores to make it more enticing for them to be able to do so. Um, because like set four, it's not only are they doing alt arts again, but they're doing alt arts across rarities, right? So from the yep. sounds of it, they're doing it for rares, uncommon. So it sounds like they're going to look at a couple of archetypes and be like, you are the Ava archetype, right? In, you know, it, it, it's just alt arts, but nevertheless, it sounds like not only are you going to get multiple hit, at least one hit per box of an alt art, but like if someone goes into battle spirits and even though it's not a full collapse set, are telling themselves, I want to play an Evangelion deck, they can. And I think that's super important. Like, I think a lot of people would have stuck out with False Gods if they could have just played their Gundam deck, right? Like, like mm-hmm. you give, you give, Vo- you make Voidloids not total ass. And, <laughs> and then you give them like a Nexus that says like, hey, this is like Nomengard City, but for Voidloids. And it's like a rainbow f- Nexus yeah. or whatever. I actually think people would just play a Gundam deck and just have fun with it. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking to a forward to a Eva stuff. It's exactly that where each, uh, color is going to get four different cards and it will be common, uncommon, rare, and X-rare. So, like, if we look to set three, how we got the Nexus, the Pilgrim, the Key Spirit, 100%, I have no doubt in my mind it's going to be the same exact thing. So, mm-hmm. hopefully they're the double symbol spirits because I assume that those will be the most playable and that's just like a slam dunk for what gets the the Eva art as well. But we'll have to see because then begs the question of, like, we're getting 18 SPRs, if I remember correctly, like, you know, yes. basically double the what? amount of SPRs. So, mm-hmm. like, which what cards are they picking like are yeah. we gonna see another clavis where it's like wing gundam and spr clavis which unfortunately oh, we probably yeah. will yeah well and that's the thing too is that e- even if you can't build an eva deck 
I mean, maybe you can. I don't know. But even if by some chance you can't, you're still going to have so many cards to choose from for the collab that surely if you want to play some of your favorite, you know, like Eva characters or you know whatever, you'll be able to. You know, whereas Gundam, it's like you were just never able to. So mm-hmm. that that's the big thing. Like, I don't care that I can play a full Eva deck or not. I'm sure some do, but like most people don't. They just want to play some of their favorite things. And I think that you'll be able to, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that's also worth giving a quick shout out to is like that's very smart move by Bondi to set it up this way because set four has your alterts for Eva and the very next set is the collab. So knowing that players will like get into the collab, get their starter decks and they'll go, oh, wait, I need cards from these other sets like just Burning Force, right? Let's just staple example, for example. Um, Here's Burning Force from uh, the, the equivalent of Burning Force in set four with the evil artwork so now you can still have that full evangelion deck but it's like you know the the thorn rifle or beam rifle thorn prison situation where you at least have that artwork and you're still able to live within that player experience of like okay this is all my evangelion deck even if i'm having some of those alt arts from set four so hopefully that all works out well enough but i think they'd be very uh very smart to land some staples that way in set four to curve into the collab set mm-hmm. yeah Yep, so exciting things to look forward to there. And then on the cusp of getting into set three, which I think has been a nice repivot for Battle Spirits, uh, just shy of the Pro Tour, we did get our first ever banned and limited list. In hindsight, and just to kind of throw back for people, uh, Volcanic Break, limited to one. Oviraptodon, banned. Netherworld Depths, banned. Axe Spider, banned. Did this do what it was meant to do? And was it a good thing for the game? Yeah, I mean that's kind of short and sweet. I think yeah, um, you know I I think that at the time all of these cards made sense. Uh, you know, can't really complain about it. Uh, any of them really making any kind of impact. Um, but I think with the release of set four, uh, they could go back and revisit this. I mm. I think that you need to unban or unlimit either break or ov like i think you pick one of those two cards put it back into the meta uh, you know into the uh, rotation uh and go from there i think that depths you you touched on it earlier can be stay banned forever uh there's two <laughs> cards now that like just cheat it like can can you imagine depths with that mermaid card like uh, no or, or depths that, of gale that, like, yeah, like just, Dale's yeah. only issue is that it doesn't see enough cards. Yeah. So like, okay, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to fang you, and now let's just start yeah. drawing cards. Like, so Depths can stay gone forever. Uh, I think Axe Spider could stay gone for quite a while because we still don't have any real answer to it. Um, I constantly you know, forget. Like, literally, I was talking to the guys at the Pro Tour. I'm like, actually, I could probably come back. We could just flood it. And they all looked at me with blank stares. Like, it still can't die. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I I don't think that that Axe Spider is, like, the most busted card ever in a vacuum. Like, it's obviously very good. The problem is is that the game just has no answers for it. And you Mm. can't have cards like that 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 exist. Um, So, you know, Axe Spider Depths, gone forever, fine. Uh, but I think one of the red cards can can uh, come back. So, so I guess my go ahead, Cos. 
I was just saying, for me, it just comes down to like whatever's in set four, right? Like we saw Colmain, yeah. which really didn't get there too much in set three, but like if one of the double symbol spirits is going to be an aggro deck, then unban Volcanic Break. If it's going to be more of like a mid range slower deck, then give us back Ovi to have like the lower end curve and make Nexus Hazard a real thing again. Like whatever they give us in set four, like let that be the deciding factors just for more in color diversity because like what we talk about with purple or i guess purple and white right now we've seen an aggro deck do well a mid-range deck do well and a control deck do well in those two colors deep enough card pool makes sense rest in peace yellow you only get to do one thing ever um and red really just has been other than this like most recent tournament it's been red mid-range or bus so i think there's definitely something to be said about allowing multiple archetypes within color because people are gonna be like hey i really want to play red i like all the red decks but they're missing an element to it. Um, and again, maybe Colmain just fills that gap and once more people have time to test with it and, and realize how OP Power Boost is. Love that card for real. Uh, but I would like to see, you know, at least the Pterosaur package come back and let ne- Nexus Hazard be its kind of shining light. Mm. So I guess my question then only comes, because like I kind of agree for the most part, Depths can say banned, fighter event, which like to note when even a Yumu says that like even Japanese players look at the Axe Bride and be like, this card would be kind of annoying. And they're like 20 years in the future. Like, yeah, that, that, that's a whole different conversation. So, but, but then when I look back at the red cards, I'm like, I, I agree. I can understand wanting to open up the colors, but like, does red need the help? I could, I could see volcanic break just being nice to have because like, we don't actually have good magic answers to boss monsters for the most part. It's almost not really existent for the, so I think having more flash answer that can deal with a big thing is kind of nice. But does red also really need the help? Or is it just think more it's so really about, about up the game? Exactly. I don't think it's really about giving red help per se. I mean, we already know red's the best color. I mean, it's that's just how it is. They just have the most, you know, like efficient cards. Mm. Uh it's more about giving them choices, right? Like Cause right. even mentioned it. Like right now, you can't play red unless it's like some mid-range thing. And that's fine um, if that's what they want. But I I just think that, you know, purple, you can build five different ways. You know, yellow, well, you know, RIP. <laughs> uh, white, you can build several different ways. You know, green, it's just red's like, okay, I'm a mid-range deck now. And, like, you know, I would like to see OV come back and just see what pterosaurs can do in this meta. I mean, maybe mm. it's too good. I don't know. I haven't tested it. But, you know, that I... I think that red kind of needs that right now. Set right. four might, maybe they make a new one drop, you know, red pterosaur and Ovi can stay gone. Fine. But like, I think that red kind of wants them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. I could totally see that. So um, made for a refreshing pro tour. Cause of course uh, the structure of the competitive season has been oddly enough, release the set, play the entire competitive season and then close off with the pro tour right before the release of a new set. So at the very least a shakeup. And I think we're feeling that again with worlds, you know, we're all kind of like, if we hear nothing this week, we're not going to hear anything until worlds. And I don't think we do actually hear anything, Um, but a shakeup would be nice to change things between pro tour to world championship. But nevertheless, I'm kind of the lull that we're facing here, which oftentimes was actually helped by the expansion sets, which we'd feel mid set Uh, elemental spark kind of did that a little bit. Um, And then ancient heroes, while not super impactful across the board, did have some notables, right? I think the first go-to was definitely Tokiwa. Um, kind of infinite value, infinite Beldegore targets, works well with red, and then uh, through into set three later, a uh, very key piece in the Gale stuff. Oddly enough, though, K 
big winner i'd like to argue also for this kind of seeing you know the 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 creation of a whole new archetype which is essentially battle spirits highlander <laughs> and then you just like five color piles so i mean you know cause you've definitely piloted this deck to a, a certain level of success and kind of continued to carry these threats to locals so i guess you know in the reflection of how much the lore set did i think we can recognize the emperor stuff was kind of a bust but you know as far as k bringing something new to the front pile how do you feel about you know kind of her impact uh on the game from her elite yeah the definitely k and also to some degree smag and kind of the more recent stuff and just like mm. smag's uh multi-reduction power becoming more online and like realizing that it triggers cathedral realizing derm dyna can make it unblockable like realizing that like that next level of just random stuff that it can do because of the wording on it has just been super fun um but k, k and smeg also lend themselves i think better to like two very different style of decks ultimately um that is only going to get better as the card pool gets deeper so i'm really excited to see how much flexibility we get in set four that isn't locked into those archetypes that, that you can then recycle with k or just have you know the the greedy cards that you want to play off of smag because they have like two pips of reduction like i think forest guardian elrune is like the best example for it like this is just an insane card and smag helps you cast it for cheaper and you love to see it sort of thing where at the same time uh k can grab them back later but I, I think like the next step for me as i like smag probably more now uh mm. which is a really weird thing to say but now that i played both these decks quite a bit um i think we just need better what's the word for it like better single targets for K to grab back like Aegis and Elephant are like the big ones. And then if you think about the other colors, it's like, okay, I'm going to grab a Beldegore randomly because I'm probably putting the Beldegore loop in there to begin with. Um, Blue just has like Allegro if you're feeling super cheeky as a one of. I know some people are doing um, Castle Golem as well because it's something that like you just pitch early and then is a single card that can run away with the game itself. So I think we do need to see more of that first before she really gets to shine again. But I would expect to see... Um, again, as long as they're more open archetypes, uh, Smag to kind of take the spotlight with set four. Mm. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I mean, I, I think that when we covered this set, we kind of said the same thing, like, you know, months ago, is that Tokiwa and K were probably the cards that we're going to see play out of this, um, and then to some extent, Godslaying, um, and that's exactly what we've seen. Like, mm -hmm. yep. K K decks, Tokiwa decks, and Godsling here and there. Yeah, so no, you know nothing else in, in in this set is that exciting. I I think that Ancient Oath might see a play at some point. Um, I was about to it's... call. I was about to call you out on it, uh, John. Where's Where's the Mermaid <laughs> yeah. Victory Oath deck? Where Where is yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> like it's just that, that deck needs more nexuses that are. Yeah. Um, proactive that i think, actually but, give you stuff to do you know. yeah but i i do think that victory oath will see play at some point um but it's just not not its time i mean it says draw two cards so you know something like that's always gonna it says draw your opponent two cards <laughs> sure it, it sure does <laughs> you know but... what you know what you give us the monkey but like one way as opposed to two way and then like you i think you're really cooking at that point but yeah so you know we'll see but like like you said it, it was always K in Tokiwa, and mm -hmm. here we are. Yep. So, I will say shout out to Monaka. He's appeared in a few sideboards. Yeah, I mean, season. well, yeah. because I mean, Monaka. that's a great pivot over to set three, right? Why, <laughs> yeah. why is Monaka seeing play? That's because set three was a return to form in some ways. Did introduce a new color, which I'd like to argue blue came out in a much better state than green came out in set two. Like, I don't think it's even close. Um, but um, very much returned to form in terms of power level. Um, you know, uh, giving us uh, Highlands, uh, giving us the Gale strategy, giving us Genbu. 
I mean, like set three and just like you can see from the sales in the secondary market, which, of course, kind of has to do with the fact that some stores no longer support the game and are really opening products. So it's kind of harder to get. But at the end of the day, you know, Mandala, new meal strategy. Um, Genbu kind of made yellow, like put yellow on its back and said, come here, plus flagellum, which obviously helps a ton. Right. Um, so I think and that, we've seen almost every single XR in some fashion see play out of uh, set three. And I think I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed exploring set three. I think especially when you include the blue stuff, like we talked about mermaid and we joked about it a bit, but I tried so many decks with mermaid, right? Like it's just oh, yeah. like, she's Same. just opened up so many different strategies for me. And I think, I think set three was very refreshing to come back to off of the heels of set two. Yeah. Same. I and mean, we, we had, had this discussion when they were doing previews. Like we all said that testing set three was a lot of fun. And I think that that still remains true today. You know, even though we have like a defined and established meta after, you know, six grand opens, five grand opens plus, uh, the pro tour, like you can still discover new decks and, Mm. you know, that's, that's how you can tell that set three was great and did its job. Like I, I think, like you said, Almost every X-Rare has seen play somewhere. I, I think the purple uh, waifu, yeah. yeah she, no. I, I don't think that's been in any decks yet. But I mean, other than that card, I mean, I think every card has seen play somewhere. So that's like that's awesome. Yeah, and I was shocked I had to look it up just to like still see it. And we are, again, for a reference point, we are quite a bit away from the set release itself. But like... Forest Guardian Elrune is still nine bucks. SPR Double Heart is fifteen. Base Mandala is twelve. Base Jaeger is nine. Like a lot of the nine to twelve or Gembu's yeah. twelve dollars still. Like it is unheard of for for Battle Spirits cards uh, to hold this much value this late to the set. Mm. So um, I think it does bode well for set four from a price standpoint, but maybe also not so well at the same time, knowing that there's going to be significantly less stores opening products. So get ready for $20 X-rays at the same time. Yeah. So what, like, like Nocturne, uh, the queen and maybe Scotty. I think those might be the three cards. that really Scotty saw one of play. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, Coliseum yeah. Golem saw play at the pro tour. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we had it on stream at, at a grand open, uh, yeah. for, for Atlanta. So, oh boy, yeah, okay, so, what he says. Uh, and shout out to Spencer, unfortunately, started really hot, and then unfortunately, the curse caught up to him. And um, maybe and, we're all yeah, storing all it, that energy it, for us. It is a curse <laughs> talking about Spencer, right? I, I, I love, dude, I love so Spencer, bad. great guy, you know, but it is actually pretty impressive that he actually went two and five and three consecutive pro tours like that. That takes skill to just end on that record every time. And he is a great player. That is not yep. a slight on, mm. on his skill. That's just like some awful luck. Yeah. But it's, you know, that's that's crazy. Yeah. Dude's good in flesh and blood, has his uh, world's invite for Shadowverse, if I'm not mistaken. He won event there. Like he consistently does well in other card <laughs> games. And it just breaks my heart to yeah. watch this man just stumble every time. Like, yeah. dude, get that W, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious if, if the Pro Tour. It, uh, invite or the world's invite passed to him from the second pro tour. I don't know how many players were at the second pro tour and where he finished, but God, I yeah. hope so. He was yeah, in the gulag, be... so I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, 
So uh, shouts out to that boy because like he started so hot. I'm like, yes, this is the one. And then I asked him at the end. He's like two five. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Oh <laughs> uh, god. It was such a cool deck too. Like he took blue. He repped it. It, it sounded yeah. like it was doing really hot. Um, it was so hot on stream. I was, <laughs> I was so excited just watching him go with it, man. I'm like, all right, this is it. This is the day. Mm. And then like round five, I checked. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So very unfortunate there. Um, and then uh, Mermaid hasn't really seen play, but she is so interesting in the realm of building decks, right? Like you can build like a control shell or like I really enjoyed throwing her in like blue red lists. And then like what's fun about those lists is that you can turn her on for your offensive usages of your red nexuses and then turn her on defensively for your blue ones. Right. So it has that cool yeah. dual play. Um, I love Mermaid. I think I think she's a card that scales really well with future design. It's just about finding just giving the game enough time to have enough nexuses that make her make sense. Yeah, I'm, you know, every set that comes out now, I'm, I'm just going to look at the nexuses first and be like, all right, how can I abuse Mermaid? Because mm -hmm. this is like one one of my favorite cards in the whole game. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the, the biggest story, because like the biggest story here is probably how this card flopped. Now... Yeah. Is that because blue isn't as good as we thought we were? Is it because the board wipe's not as good as we thought we were? I found out, I realized the more playtesting I did, that there were a lot more ways to kind of play around this than you thought. You know, like if you're the Gale deck and you're playing against Cthulhu, it actually turns out that if you protect your Tokiwa, then you're fine because then you can continue the Beldegore loops and then you're like totally okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of circumstantial. I think the meta kind of just shaped in a way where the shark... Uh, isn't as good mm -hmm. as it can be um i i think it's still a, a very good card but yeah. i i also think that blue as a whole is just a little lacking right now and the fact that it's you know it's primary you know way to cast it or even play it is the sack of blue nexus yeah like you, you just can't really what if it said any nexus? do that then i think it'd be seeing a lot more play yeah mm. yeah for sure yeah, because I think really the only splashable Nexus you can afford to run is Seabed, right? And like a lot of people are really just siding it depending on the matchup. Seabed and Didn't the arena is pr yeah, pretty sure. good too, I think. Yeah. But yeah, those, those are like the main two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, Seabed has better usage on play than it does uh, kind of yeah. chilling than chilling out in your drops. So. Yeah. So we'll have to see what blue blue Nexuses we get set for and kind mm -hmm. of revisit it. Yeah. Um. So then that's the last product we're getting until Worlds. And as far as the ebb and flow of the meta were, um, red always present. Um, pur purple was present for a while. Axe Spider kind of came in, uh, kind of for warped the entire meta around it. Terra disappeared. Terra came back when they realized they could just play Joker. Um, Hey, Terra never disappeared <laughs> over here. Y'all were like, Swordsaurus was the sauce for one tournament. You guys got yeah. Matos and Top Cut, and that was it. Like, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. I, I mean, Damn, nobody bro. went to Tulsa, so that, that doesn't count. And then uh, and, and Monroeville, it came back and forth. So right. it, it, it only disappeared because no one went to that event other than uh -huh. Collins. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, with the ban list pushing through, um, everyone thought uh, red was the hot sauce, only for yellow beast, fable beast to be able to take it. Um, which then was kind of a precursor to the next set in which we expected Gale to be insane. And to be fair, I think everyone still stands that the Highlands high roll is actually toxic and not okay for the game. 
But nevertheless, while that being the big boogeyman, uh, Genbu carrying Yellow through for an insane uh, kick to the season and kind of setting the stage there. Apollodinos kind of turning around being like, yo, I'm really good and kind of helping uh, Red kind of find its identity again. Um, and now we're very much back into this incredibly open meta where like honestly if you're good enough pilot and you like your swiss is kind of kind to you you can really kind of grind through not only are we seeing um you know color colors of all creed besides blue but you know it is what it is we'll give it a little bit more time to develop its card pool um representing top cut and that's including four color piles it is not a five color deck cause um, <laughs> maybe <it's five>. um <laughs> but we're seeing uh piles we're playing we're seeing um mandela mill lists you know once again shout out to anthony for kind of crafting that one um and just kind of a lot so what does that say for worlds i'm not entirely sure but what i will say is that it definitely feels like there's still an, a field there to maybe make some discoveries that can maybe crack worlds wide open so in that sense we do have a full proper month that kind of help players finally settle in and see if they can really find anything to be able to kind of close out the first competitive season. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that there's going to be uh, anything that is crazy that mm. comes out of that. That wasn't on purpose. The whole crazy comment was on purpose. <laughs> uh, and people be like, "You said crazy," yeah. but um, I. I think what we'll see is just a lot of the same decks. It just maybe four or five cards different mm-hmm. tech to beat what they feel like is going to be the most played decks, right? So maybe the red decks shift to like the Nova style decks to counter the yellow decks. And then maybe the white decks are like, well, if, if that's the case, maybe we'll do this, this and that to counter the red decks. So it's just playing what deck you think will counter the most played deck, um, and kind of go from there. So I have no idea what that could be. Um, I couldn't even tell you what our team was going to play or test because we're kind of taking a break until after New Year's. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just we'll have to see where it all kind of falls. Yeah. Um, so I guess then, you know, well, kind of taking uh, an hour of reviewers time. So don't want to push this for too long. But I guess, you know, our last touch base is as we look onwards to 2024, um you know maybe aspirations things to look forward to or things that we're hoping for to kind of see going on again we can probably do uh, a quick round the table on that front uh before we kind of close out today's episode so uh john anything that you would like to see or are excited to see or kind of a wish list for 2024 in regards to battle spirits not really i mean i would like to see them revamp organized play in a way that made more sense i i don't know what the answer is so i can't even go into it but i just Mm. want to see it done differently um but i mean other than that everything that we've seen so far like set four sounds cool like the the uh, collab set sounds cool so that's stuff to look forward to um so i guess the main thing for me is just seeing like a newer and improved organized play Mm -hmm. yeah um could always go back to what their other games do in regards to just regionals that lead to Nats that eventually lead to Worlds. That at least means Australia will be able to go to a to an event. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. not just like their one grand <laughs> open every season. But yeah. um yeah, I totally on with you there. How about you, Cosmore? Any anything? No, nothing for me other than I want to see more of like Bondi Unity across games and like how they approach their organized play. And I think a lot of that just comes down to them getting out of their own silos and talking with one another and get a roadmap that makes sense. But, um, you know, same thing with John as well. It's just like, 
let us rebuild from a more region focus because I think you'll uh, drive just better attendance that way and have it be where you have the local into nationals and then sure have world tier because we're still the largest player base. Sorry, facts are facts. Um, and it just makes the most sense to have here in the NA, but um, something that would at least encourage players to go out and spend more time within their own regions, I think would be um, a pretty big deal for the game. But you know, again, it's, that's also with like fusion world because we don't know what fusion world's organized play looks like. And, um, now we know that one piece has two championships instead of just one a year for whatever reason. So like, again, for me, it's more of like bigger picture Bondi stuff than that's not just battle spirits, uh, you know, pointed, but obviously battle spirits, uh, is going to be my main game still. So we'll see, uh, what kind of news we get at worlds. Yeah. I, th- I think for me, I, I just want to see 2024 be the year of communication. I think it's my biggest thing, right? Like, like, I think there's a lot of takeaways we can have from just like, you know, uh star wars has like their roadmap right like like every company in their in their mother is like throwing out like hey here's our 2024 here's our 2024 um i do know that a lot of that is paused on bandai side because they probably want to announce a lot of stuff at worlds and kind of keep it there for like their exciting events so like fair enough you know i can give them that buffer but um you know i think just having like we see them do so many things in regards to how they manage their Japanese games. Like every single one of their card games have a digital YouTube channel that all have like a committed show that get like new videos every three to four days, um, whether it's discussion or like gameplay or whatever. Right. So I just that kind of energy, especially want now that they've unified like the card game brand for Bandai and kind of taking that into the new year, I think would be exciting. Right. Like it, it'd be nice to like. Obviously, a lot of us know Kento. A lot of people in the community talk to Kento. It would be really cool if Kento or whoever the game producer is or whatever kind of sits down and be like, hey, month in, like, this is what our game's all about. This is kind of what we're seeing. You know, I, I love Sata game updates. And I think them taking a book from, you know, a note from that and just kind of doing it in the Bandai way, I think would be very warm welcome, especially since, you know, Battle Spirits doesn't have the benefit of being an IP game. It doesn't have the benefit of having communities built around the, the the name and the stories and everything because that just doesn't exist for it so you kind of need to more go go more grassroots for it create more memories for people make the locals experience more interesting and give people an attachment to the game that's not associated to the ip because that's not why they're playing in the first place so long-winded way to just say hey talk to us <laughs> yeah no i i i agree i mean every major company is like here's our year and and review Here's what we're planning for next year and and beyond, and it's just really great to see that kind of transparency. Um, mm. So I I wish that Bandai did that more. It's not just you know Battle Spirits. I think for all their games they can do better. Um, you know, like like I think the One Piece Championship stuff was like a leak from a magazine. It's not even out or something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, but so like it's not even from them per se. It's just. Like they can do a better job of all that. Well, it's from the uh, official One Piece stores that they have globally that are opening up. But again, like, yeah. why was it at the store and not like something on your website? Like that was yeah. seems like it should have just been a post up there first. But right. here mm-hmm. we are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Bushy Road has a lot of things they could do better. But dude, they do like a monthly show or like a seasonal conference. And that is like one of the most exciting streams I ever watched. And I don't even play any of their games, right? So it just goes to show. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, hey, we get it as well for Bondi. It's just Japan only. So that's true. That yeah, true. <laughs> you know, and, and like Fantasy Flight does like weekly, you know, like things too. And it's cool to see. So mm-hmm. whatever. We'll see. Um, 
So with that said, this will probably be the last episode of 2023. Uh, the next time we return will be 2024 as we lead up to Worlds. Uh, gentlemen, any messages for our players, our listeners uh, to close out the year? I got nothing. Thanks for listening. Keep listening. And I'll see you guys at events. <laughs> yeah. Stay safe. Enjoy the holidays. Stay hydrated. Don't get into trouble. Uh, and looking forward to seeing everyone at Worlds that can make it. That's my big thing. It's like, I cannot wait to see people at Worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I think uh, get rested. Enjoy the energy. For all y'all playing, uh, get tested because it'll be very exciting to see what world brings us. Um, and I'm excited to see you there. So with that guy said, with that said, everybody, thank you so much for the 2023. Thank you for joining the Church of Pentan podcast. This has been a great launch year. I've enjoyed this podcast thoroughly. I've um, had a lot of fun and I've loved the community support around it. Um, every single time we get an episode out and all I see are church emotes everywhere. It brings a little tingle of joy mm-hmm. in my system. So with that said, guys, thank you so much for 2023. Uh, Be safe. Enjoy time with your families. Enjoy the holidays. Uh, Enjoy the finale to your 2023. And we will see you guys in 2024. And until then, may the cores be our saviors. (laughs) 